Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And we are joined today by another very special guest. I'm honestly a little giddy because this podcast has given me so many full circle moments from years ago being woken up to some really harsh realities by my sister, Anna White. God bless Anna White. Um, (laughs) She had her preemie child born at Duke University and they said, hey, don't put him on the vaccine schedule. He's too small to her going to her pediatrician and her saying, I want to delay. I don't want to do anything right now. And them saying, well, if you don't stay on the schedule, you cannot be our patient. That incident was the beginning of us doing some deep dives. Why would a pediatrician not follow the orders of the obstetrician and the doctors who were seeing them at a major medical hospital? Why? Why would they? And when we started to ask questions and just think for ourselves, we were alarmed at what we saw. That led to me watching a documentary called Vaxxed. And our guest today, that's when I first heard Dr. Brian Hooker's name, the PhD that, you know, as he would tell you, he does not like, I don't think he loves the fame or the notoriety, but he was the person that, that, that was connected to someone that he's going to share with you about that when I found out what he was learning from inside the CDC, from a whistleblower in the CDC, I mean, I think my head almost exploded. I thought, how is this happening in the United States? How are we doing this to our kids? And so before we have these conversations, we'd like to clarify The term anti-vaxxer is a term that is now a slur. It's meant to demean and discredit. It's meant to make you stop thinking when you hear that someone is a, quote, anti-vaxxer. I want to be clear. Everyone in this conversation is pro-information, pro-science, pro-informed consent. And the whole reason we got to a place where we have to take a stand and say, Everyone should look at the vaccine program is because we were former vaxxers who Mm -hmm. learned very hard realities about the vaccine program. So we want to clarify that because anyone who you talk to who doesn't get it yet, and I'm going to say yet, because my prayer is that one day the whole world knows what's happened. But if they don't get it, they want to discredit. Today, we're going to give you information. We're not telling you what to think, believe, or anything. We're saying just think for yourself. But we're going to start with Dr. Brian Hooker, who has co-authored a book with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You guys, if you're not, if you're new to the podcast, we've talked about Dr. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as someone who his 
work as an attorney looking into the science opened our eyes to drinking water, opened our eyes to Monsanto um, and pesticides, opened our eyes to vaccines. Well, Dr. Brian Hooker is the PhD who has co-authored this book, Vax Unvax. We're all holding our books up if you're listening online. Vax Unvax, Let the Science Speak, co-authored this book. But while we want to talk about the book and why you need to look into it and you read it, I want to actually introduce you to, to Dr. Hooker through his personal experience. As I said, we're all former vaxxers who trusted our doctors and our pediatricians and the CDC and all those three-letter agencies to tell us how to protect our kids. And Dr. Hooker, you had an experience that led you to taking your scientific brain and your PhD into a whole direction you probably never expected to be in. Because I do know, while now you are the chief scientific officer, I believe, at Children's Health Defense, um, you have been a biologist and chemist at Simpson University. So you didn't start in this space any more than Kristen and Amy and I started in this space. You got put into this space kind of by divine appointment. So will you tell our audience more about who you are and how you got here? Absolutely. <laughs> well, and thank you so much, um, Holly, uh, Kristen and Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I love it. I love the format. I love the fact that you're, you're, you're just outreaching people. So I can't thank you enough for doing this. And, um, yeah, I started very pro vaccine. Uh, I, uh, growing up, uh, my mom was a public health nurse who was in charge of all the vaccinations that were being distributed in Riverside County in California and which is a quite large County. And, you know, we, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like vaccines were, you know, sort of evangelistic or, or, you know, we weren't pushing vaccines, but it was almost an afterthought like, oh yeah, you get your vaccines and, and then it protects you against disease. I didn't really know that vaccine adverse events were even a thing. <laughs> you know, you just don't. And, and, and it's part of, for lack of attention, I'd seen a, an informed consent sheet and they always talk about the rare reactions that occur and you think oh that's going to happen to somebody else yeah. well in uh in my case it did not happen to somebody else and um i was minding my own business uh uh my uh wife and i had a son in uh 1998 uh steve and we were vaccinating him on schedule and um, we don't believe that he got the hepatitis B shot at birth. Uh, it's still indeterminate, but he did get his first hepatitis B vaccine at uh, two weeks of age uh, based on the pediatrician's recommendation. And then we went two months, four months, six months, um, 12 months, and then 15 months. And really um, at that point in time, there were three vaccines on the schedule that were used quite heavily. The hepatitis B, the Hib, and the DTaP vaccine all contained mercury in them. Um, and so my son was getting so much mercury at that point in time that he was exceeding, you know, the uh, safe limit by the FDA by over 200 times uh, in his two-month, four-month, and eight-month visit. And so, um, uh, so we were... You know, he was tracking slowly even before his major regression. And then at 15 months of age, um, he had an active ear infection. We knew that, 
uh, because we had seen an ear, nose, throat doctor that very day. And we took him in the same day for his well baby checkup. Um, not, you know, not really thinking too hard about it. Uh, but the nurse practitioner said, okay, it's time for his, you know, he's going to get three vaccines today. And we asked her at the time, he's sick. Is it okay to vaccinate a sick child? And she said, oh, yeah, we do it all the time. Uh, but yet we knew he had an ear infection. Uh, we went ahead and did it based, you know, uh, you know, sort of ignoring our innate tuition, intuition that this was not a good thing. Uh, he fevered after that. He fevered for 18 days. And then after the fever broke, then he lost all the language that he had developed, lost all the eye mm -hmm. contact and um, really, you know, all joint attention. For a while, he stopped walking. Uh, he would he refused to walk unassisted. And we now, in hindsight, believe they was having significant vestibular and balance problems at the time. Um, and uh, it was it, it was very, very obvious that he had had a vaccine adverse event and it wasn't, you know, he was diagnosed then with autism three months later. We saw an integrative pediatrician um, then when he became two years old and that really he opened our eyes to the fact that the vaccine schedule was really a nightmare a nightmare specifically for my child, but really a nightmare more in general uh, because they had never added up the total exposure of mercury in the vaccines and the vaccines that my son received had never been tested together and you should never vaccinate a sick child. And so there were just myriad problems with the vaccination schedule and we were bombarded with this information and really opened up our eyes, uh, you know, when my son was about two years old. I mean, it's incredible to just listening. It, it makes me teary eyed, honestly, because my, my oldest was born in 1998 as well. And I remember Dr. Hooker, Jenny McCarthy had come out at some point. I don't remember if it, what year that was, but she was on the television and I, and, and, she started screaming about this, right? She started right. saying, hey, hey, it happened after a vaccine. My child got autism after a vaccine. And, you know, the world would say, who are you to listen to a Playboy bunny, an MTV, you know, MC or, or video, you know, video, whatever you want to call, whatever her title was at, at MTV. Who is she to tell you about your child's health? But you know what it was? It was her mother's heart that got to me. And I, and I just... I listened and, you know, I wasn't a Jenny McCarthy fan. I was right. a mother who heard a mother saying, hey, moms, moms, this happened to me. And already my internal gut was saying something doesn't feel right about this. Something doesn't feel right. I tell parents all the time, listen to that. Listen to that. Exactly. But just the fact that at that same time you were going through, so, you know, you were in that same span of time as I was. And that you were asking the doctor, is this safe to do while they're sick? I remember asking that same question and, and you trusting who you were supposed to trust, you know, exactly. and I feel like that's, that's again, what we have to point out is we're, we're indoctrinated to believe that we need to trust X, Y, and Z. And what we're saying is no, you can't because all of these systems are failing us for a myriad of reasons. I do want to point out too something else you said in 1986, we had 11 uh, shots for seven diseases. You can read about that in Vax and Unvax. But 
Today, we have 73 shots for 17 different diseases. That's a huge escalation that's happened since the point in time where the U.S. government said that the vaccine companies, the people who make the vaccines, cannot be held liable for injury. So we just want to make sure that all our listeners are aware what has happened since. Because I know that people look around and go, look, most of us have all been vaccinated. We're fine. Well, we're not fine. Right, Dr. Hooker? We know the escalation in autism, autoimmune diseases, childhood cancers, you name it, have all risen as well. So, Dr. Hooker, you 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 now know you had an integrative doctor who helped you see. Praise the Lord for integrative doctors. Absolutely. Um, helped you see some of the challenges here. So what did you do next? Did you start advocating and looking into this for yourself? We absolutely, we, we focused on healing my son and we did a lot of interventions early on that have made a significant difference uh, in his life. You know, he still has an autism diagnosis. He's still nonverbal, but he's, his trajectory is very, very much, much better than if we had not have intervened biomedically. And, and I encourage people to really do biomedical intervention and never give up. You don't give up because there are so many different interventions. Some work for some children, some work for other that don't work for those children. And, and, but you need to find the sweet spot and, and figuring out biomedically what was going on. And when we um, characterized my son biomedically and he received a differential diagnosis, it was like a time bomb went off in his system. Mm. And so I really started to investigate this in general. Um, I was looking at the CDC. I started out fundamentally looking at, you know, the preposterous notion that they would put mercury in vaccines. And so that was sort of my first hill that I uh, landed on. And I started to query uh, CDC scientists. I had letters behind my name. You know, I don't think letters behind your name are special. Parents are the best experts. You're the ones that are spending 24-7 with your wonderful children. And so, um, I, you know, but since I had those letters behind my name, then I, I feel really comfortable picking up the phone and just calling different officials mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about the studies that you're doing, the research that you're doing. You're saying that vaccines aren't associated with autism, but, you know, yet there are some inconsistencies. And CDC did not like me investigating them. They did not like my phone calls. They did not like my emails. They did not, you know, like me asking sort of the elephant in the living room questions. And uh, so I was actually restricted in 2004. I could no longer contact them um, or I could contact them, but they just refused to return my emails and phone calls. So I started to use the Freedom of Information Act to get uh, information from those scientists and i saw a pattern of malfeasance that was very very you know it was it was very elusive uh the cdc was very very judicious in what they would release but i knew that the, that the powers that be were captured by the pharmaceutical industry and they were committing fraud uh that all came to a head in 2013 you know i continued my investigation my son got older he was getting better um uh, but in 2013, then I was contacted by a whistleblower by the name of William Thompson. And that started the whole CDC whistleblower story, story that was featured in the movie Vax, 
Really regarding mercury and vaccines and the MMR vaccine, the only two things that CDC has really studied regarding their link with autism. And so Dr. Thompson showed me the front door and how to get data so I could do my own analysis of the CDC data. And what I found uh, was the same thing that he found internally, but was covered up. And so this whole cover-up uh, regarding the MMR vaccine, regarding the effect in African-American males of the MMR vaccine given on time versus if you give it later than three years of age, all of that came out. Uh, more uh, controversy and fraud surrounding mercury-containing vaccines, and more just in general the fact that um, CDC you know, had a policy they were never going to come down the fact that vaccines were a causative fact, a causative factor, even a contributing factor in autism. And and so, you know, the whistleblower did uh, publicly come out in August of 2014. Uh, and then that sort of launched the movie Vax. And that really sort of catapulted, you know, my story a little bit more into the spotlight um, but then, you know, here we are, and, and I started actually working then with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in 2015. Um, that is amazing. But can you also tell people, because I don't know, if people have not seen Bax, and if they don't know these actual statistics, it's shocking. So yes. could you please tell people what was covered up, like with the African-Americans versus, I mean, what I know one was like, 700% more with autism with something. I'm trying to remember. Right, right. And African-Americans, like, because I actually have a real, we did a reel um, one day with like a clip from you when you were on Dell, picture on the high wire, talking okay. about your book so, a couple months ago. And when oh, you were wonderful. talking about this, you can tell people the statistics. I think that would be, I mean, I just, people don't realize like how important this is to know. Well, um, you know, back when uh, mercury was in the three vaccines that I mentioned, um, it was given in the first month of life. And uh, so there was a researcher by the name of Thomas Verstraten, and what he showed was that individuals that were exposed to the maximum level of mercury that you could get in uh, the first month of life. Um, and this was through a vaccine and through another therapeutic that was given to hepatitis B positive patients of hepatitis B positive mothers. That exposure of mercury alone increased the rate of autism by 700%. Okay, so seven times. And in some instances, with the way they analyzed the data, it was not 700%, it was 1100%. It was even higher. So if you think of it, then your risk of getting autism was at a minimum seven, uh, seven times greater than the babies that were not exposed to mercury. And so that was quite profound. And they worked very, very hard to dilute down that relationship. They, that, that data, according to the CDC, was never to see the light of day, but it was actually released through a Freedom of Information Act uh, request through an organization called Safe Minds. And then for the MMR vaccine, if you look specifically at African-American males, they were 3.6 times more likely, you know, that's 360% more likely to get an autism diagnosis if they got the MMR on time, that was between 12 and 18 months of age, uh, then compared to if you merely just waited until they were after three, until they were it's after that. three years of age, it's right there. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, thank you. And a whole so, chapter in the book, all about it. And there's some great graphs if you're a visual person like I am. It just, it really, it seals the deal. <laughs> exactly. And and it was also, it, it went beyond African-American males. It also went to children who were diagnosed with regressive autism. And they were about 250% more likely to get an autism diagnosis. Those that regressed, um, there was a relationship with the timing of the MMR vaccine. And they never compared it to an unvaccinated control. CDC will never do a true vax unvax study. They believe that unvaccinated People are just somehow odd and bizarre and they just avoid them, um, <laughs> you, you know, partially because they know what they're going to find out. Exactly. And so you would expect the result would be even more significant if they had a completely unvaccinated control. Uh, because I've heard of children who have received the MMR as old as four years of age and also regressed into autism. It does oh, happen. It, it does happen. Right. And it seems to be <clears throat> just to maybe give a a non-complicated answer to why we think it triggers autism, causes autism, whatever word we want to use is because of the adjuvants. Isn't that correct, Dr. Gar? It's That's, it's that, that's a major part of it. Yeah. yeah, that's a major part of it. And the adjuvant, um, you know, there are really two issues. There, there are additives to vaccines like adjuvants and preservatives that are really, really a problem. Aluminum is a huge problem. And then also live virus vaccines, the MMR and the MMRV, the MMR with the varicella or chicken pox component to it are particularly insidious because you're getting, you're getting an onslaught of three different viruses at the same time that just doesn't happen naturally. Right. And a lot of children react to that. A lot of uh, even those children, uh, African-American children that do not uh, regress into autism. It's been shown by the Mayo Clinic that they actually uh, become hyperimmune to rubella. Uh, and that's not a good thing. I mean, when your body becomes hyperimmune to a particular antigen, that can induce all, all sorts of autoimmunity. And so we know that there's a real issue with live viruses. We know there's a real issue with adjuvants and other additives. And I do want to point out, you know, there's a misnomer that they took mercury out of vaccines, and, but it's still in the flu shot. Yep. It's still in the flu shot that they recommend prenatally now. So they tell moms not to eat fish for mercury right. contamination, but then they inject you with mercury. I mean, it's the, the whole thing when you start, oh, it doesn't make sense. When you start to find out what they're really doing and then what they tell you to do, it is such garbage. It's it's it they're trying to come up with an mRNA one. So we're safer. It'll be better. Because that's working M out real mRNA, well. MRNA, <laughs> modified mRNA is toxic to the cells. It does all these horrible things that downregulate your innate immune system. People wonder why, you know, so many vaccinated people get COVID. Well, mRNA downregulates your innate immune system. And so it makes you more susceptible to infections. Hello. 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 It's just wild. The, the truth is, is if you look at what's going on in the world, there are people who are just counting us to uh, counting on us to stay dumb, ignorant, and trusting. Because if they can, they can control us. Or fearful, they can keep Absolutely. you. Fearful, then they can control you. But if everyone would just know, would open their minds to know the truth and recognize what's happening, this would end tomorrow. They wouldn't have the power to keep doing it. 
But unfortunately, the drug companies are in bed with our regulatory agencies. You'll see them. You you guys even write about, or may, I don't know, maybe it was that, maybe it was Dell Big Trees Forward where he talks about, you know, when Trump first got elected, he was like, hey, let's do a vaccine safety commission. And he put right. Robert F. Kennedy at the helm of it. And he got Dell and uh, some other folks together to go meet with Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci of the NIH and said, hey, can you show us where the studies are done, that, that the vaccinated kids have better outcomes than the unvaccinated. And Fauci acted like he was trying to find them in the files. And he said, right, well, right. Right. Well, I was it was very dramatic. And, and then they never had it. You know, they, they never had the evidence. And that's something that, so what I love is, is I think that you and, and Dr. I mean, you and uh, Robert F. Kennedy said, look, Maybe there's evidence out there anyway. Even if the Correct. NIH says they don't have it, maybe there are studies that do point to what we want to know. So, uh, what did what did you find out, Dr. Hooker, as you as you guys started to look into this? Well, it was really interesting. Um, this started as an exercise for uh, uh, Bobby to post uh, these highlights of these studies that we found in his Instagram and Facebook accounts. And so uh, Bobby uh, contacts me in 2019 and said, hey, let's do this. Let's look for, we know some of these exist, Let's look for vaccine-vax studies that are just sort of hiding in plain sight. We went to the open literature, the National Library of Medicine, which is just the website PubMed that you can get, you know, tons of medical literature from, and you know, supposedly reputable medical literature. And and so when he first called me, I thought, oh, we'll find you know a handful, maybe a dozen or so. And so uh, I would get the studies and I would break them down into lay terms, you know, with real eye popping graphics that showed clearly what's the relationship for the vaccinated, what's the relationship for the unvaccinated in bar charts. And then he would post them on Instagram and Facebook. And so 60 studies later, you know, we just kept finding them and finding them. Bobby would send me studies and I would find studies and we would, you know, work with them together to get the graphics just right. And then in 2021, he was deplatformed from Facebook and Instagram. And so, you know, um, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And so this became a book. <laughs> So we, we decided, let's compile this into a book. And then I studied for two, two additional years with him. And he was, you know, he was sending me studies and I continued to look. And there was a treasure trove of information regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, which we knew was under tested, which we knew was just, you know, the worst of the worst vaccine that's ever really been put out on society. And so in 2023, when we published the book, we had a total of over 100 studies that we were able to feature in the book. Nice. Amazing. Amazing. And those studies unequivocally are showing that the health outcomes of unvaccinated children for a myriad of things are better than vaccinated children. Right. right. And, and there's there's again, you're going to have to look at the book to look at each individual study and where they found this from. But the reason why this is important, and this is what I would love for you to speak to, too, is is that we've been told to vaccinate our kids for their health and for the health of the community. Although that whole idea that you vaccinate to save the community doesn't make sense. 
when you vaccinate to help your own immune system, you cannot vaccinate to help the immune system of another person. That is, it doesn't Correct. work that way, right? Right. But this is the fear, Dr. Ger. So once you realize, and we've all, look, the three of us have been here. Okay, you realize, whoo, this vaccine program is not for my kids' health. So now how do I decide? Do they need any vaccines? Do they need no vaccines? The fear becomes, what about measles, mumps, rubella, polio, you know, these things that we're told we're protecting them from. Okay, what now? Well, what I had to personally do just to share my personal experience, I said, could my child die from the measles? No, probably not. Is my child going to die from chickenpox? No. Mumps, rubella, tetanus. When I started to look into how you get tetanus, I was like, okay, that's not going to happen either. So I, I started to break down each individual disease and weigh the own risk, right? Weigh, weigh that risk. Right. What's your take on that today when you have a parent say, okay, I don't think I want to do any of these or I just want to do some. How do you kind of give them the information they need to know about what we're vaccinating against? And should your child get that disease, what happens next? You know what I mean? How do we treat that? That's such a good question, Holly. Um, and that comes up a lot. Uh, and there's a graphic actually in uh, the book that uh, Bobby previously wrote, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. Oh, I've got that and, one too. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I helped put together that graphic for Bobby for that book. And it shows that um, all of these diseases were on decline and especially mortality associated with these diseases were on significant decline almost to you know nil before the vaccine was introduced. And mm -hmm. so we know that measles mortality went to a level of 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 somewhere between one and four in one uh, 10,000 cases, 10,000 cases of measles. And if you look at a society level, it's about one in 100,000 children um, uh, before the vaccine was introduced in 1963 for measles. We saw the same thing for the mortality of diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, all of these diseases, uh, uh, polio, all of these diseases prior to the introduction of the vaccine. And we even looked at diseases that there is no vaccine for, like scarlet fever, you know, which is sort of a variant of streptococcus. Um, and it showed the same thing. These were all on decline because of developments in the early 20th century, not regarding vaccination, but regarding sanitation. Um, and so looking at that information that you see, then the risk of uh, mortality for these infectious diseases and the risk of getting the disease themselves were, were steeply on the decline. And then also some of uh, what has been lost is the fact that these diseases, uh, you know, train the immune system and are a part of a normal, you know, ch childhood trajectory. I mean, when you look at um, what has happened with the mumps vaccine, which is an abysmal failure, you know, that's the M, second M in the MMR vaccine. Uh, mumps in childhood, when it was, you know, which was uh, just sort of a regular part of childhood prior to the vaccine, very, very low mortality. Uh, very, very low uh, long-term side effects associated with the mumps in childhood. Uh, what's happened is mumps has now had become a disease of adolescents and young adults. 
And mumps does more damage because the immunity of the MMR vaccine will wane into, you know, and so by the time an, an individual is a, a teenager or a young adult, then that immunity is much, much lower. So if they get exposed to the mumps, then they get mumps later on in life where it can cause sterility. Uh, it can also cause other long-term side effects. And it's much, much more difficult to disease. These disease diseases in childhood, you know, mumps, chickenpox, even the measles are much, much more mild than when this waning immunity happens. And vaccines are very, very imperfect and they do cause waning immunity. It's not like you get a lifetime immunity from getting a shot. That's it. You don't. And what we learned from the COVID vaccine, which is natural immunity trumps vaccinated immunity. Exactly. It does. I don't know of a case where it doesn't. And the, and so to your point, it's getting some of these childhood diseases that you will survive and right. are, are, are many times milder than getting them as an adult and getting that natural immunity is stronger and more lasting than vaccinated immunity. Well, I think we all had chicken pox, right? Did all y'all have the chicken pox? We all had pox. Yep. We had scars. I can we still see. smell the calamine lotion. Yes. <laughs> I just saw just the other day. Have y'all seen that clip of the old Brady Bunch um, episode? Yeah. The where they all got the measles and they're like, right. man, nothing beats the measles. We get to stay home from school. And then the mom, what's the mom's name? I can't even remember. Carol. Carol. Yeah. She said, all right, well, that's the last of us. So we've all had, the, we're all, the Bradys are done with the measles. Yes. And, so, right. and that was it. Like you had the measles, you got through it, and then you have lifelong immunity. Right, um, right. It's that. that was, that's, now it's like if there's a measles outbreak, people are like freaking oh out. My God. You know, oh. it's just. What if you get the measles? Yeah. Isn't yeah. there, oh, isn't there a protective mechanism with measles too? Like, hasn't it been shown that if you had, if you actually had measles, you don't, it's something with cancer. Like it's actually protective with cancer, certain types of yeah. cancer later too. Certain forms of brain cancer. And they're actually using the measles virus therapeutically against brain cancer. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're monkeying with something that, you know, we've, we've sort of adapted to having these viruses for eons and eons and eons. And then all of a sudden we make these sort of step changes in our immune system. And we expect, you know, these results to be, you know, um, good, uh, but they're not. No, they are, you know, we, we have, we have many, many issues that come up, especially now that the vaccination program is so profitable. Um, it, you know, raises so much money for the pharmaceutical industry and there's no liability shield, Holly, like what you mentioned with the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, you know, the liability shield is erected. And so it's open season for vaccinations, including prenatal shots. Now we have the RSV vaccine that, uh, has been recommended between 32 and 36 weeks gestation. So that's the fifth needle stick in pregnancy. I mean, it's, it's so wild. And now they're trying to scare everyone with RSV. Right. Um, you know, my, my two month old got RSV from a well visit, well visit to the doctor. I mean, I can't even make it up. You know, if I just stayed right. home, it would have been fine. <laughs> anyway, got RSV, we, RSV, there was nothing, you know, we just got through it. But um, but there's so much fear mongering out there because now the headlines are reading Dr. Hooker. They're saying things like now vaccine uptake is down, you know, nationwide in 40 of the 50 states. They're reporting a decline in people administering 
the childhood vaccines to their children. And, and all of it is fear-based, right? Because it's like, okay, now we're going to have an outbreak of all these preventable childhood diseases. And right. to which I think this is where we have to break through to people and say, good health, good water, good food, good nutrition. And, you know, now today, the way we can treat everything is different than it was a hundred years ago. You know, when we, when, when, when so many of these things were more prevalent. And so they're trying to scare everyone and then demonize those of us who say, hey, we're not participating because we know the risks there are not. You guys, if you just look at the charts in Dr. Hooker's book, I mean, it's unequivocal that we're just talking overall health. We're not saying, hey, yeah, they didn't get the measles and they, I mean, we're saying literally overall health outcomes. Just right. In, in every capacity, when we when we have gone from 19% of the American population has an autoimmune disease to now 49 plus percent. Right. And that's, that's, listen, the biologists will tell you it's not evolutionary. They said it has to be environmental. It has to be environmental, but they won't say what the environmental triggers are. I mean, I don't see much changing in our food. I see nothing changing in our medicine or in our pharmaceuticals or in our vaccines. And all of these things should be looked at. Exactly. Right? I think it's that's so important. I think that's so important. And we know, you know, we even even autism is multifactorial. You know, we're not saying that the only way that, you know, a child regresses into autism is because of vaccination. I know unvaccinated kids who have become autistic and we've got but there's such an onslaught of toxins through our air, through our water through our food. I mean, we even haven't even talked about, you know, genetically modified food that has been on the market for human consumption since 1996. I mean, I think that these things really need to be looked into. You know, my, uh, because of, you know, my own personal story, then I've looked very, very closely into vaccines. But I, you know, but again, it is the, the issue with vaccines is a toxic onslaught where we're getting things like mercury, formaldehyde, uh, aluminum, polysorbate 80, live viruses, and they're directly injected. So that's 100% absorption of these toxins. Well, and I think the biggest point too is that they aren't studying it. They aren't listening to the people saying, hey, stop this, look at this. It's just like the COVID vaccines now. These They're denying or ignoring the people who have had major injuries and they had they had the symptoms within hours of getting the vaccine or at least days. And right. it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I just wanted to say, I, had, I have one question with advice, but before I do that, I was just gonna tell you, we can also relate with the social media or did you, I don't know if you talked with the Instagram and I was like, maybe we should write a book, but <laughs> we just have a sub stack for now. But we just got uh, deplatformed on Instagram and we have no idea. We really don't know why. Um, right. the, but the last thing we did share was about the hepatitis B vaccine. And it was with Aaron Siri and Dell Bigtree when they were just at that Freedom Summit or something he just did um, right. shared last week. And all he was doing was sharing exact straight up facts. There is it's not even any speculation or assumption. And this like so we are in the middle of that right now, which is right. absolutely ridiculous. And so, of course, you're going to have consensus with people when that's all you're seeing are the people that they're that are, that's allowed to speak. But my next question to you was, you know, when we're asking for your advice or like trying to help people out navigate this, because we know some people are, you know, they're just in this journey. They're just waking up and they're like, okay, 
now that I feel confident that, hey, it's really a sanitation thing. My kid's not going to die from this. You're feeling better about the fear mongering. But I think one of the biggest issues is how do you address it with the pediatrician? How do you address it with the doctor? And I, I have found that asking questions is a great thing to do because a lot of them don't know the answer. Um, but like where, what would you do or what would you tell a parent, you know, because a lot of doctors get defensive or they say they, they turn it around fear mongering. They make you feel stupid. They make you feel about this big. They're like, you're not a Google don't, you don't need to do Google doctor. So what would you, <laughs> what would you say to the parents? <laughs> Right, right. Well, I have to roll my eyes with the Google doctor because, the, you, you know, that's just you, you know, like you, they need to come up with a better line. Right. Uh, but um, save my life. I'll just enter. I'll just interject and say Google has probably saved my health and my good. life more than once because I did my own research. research. <laughs> exactly. You exactly. Seriously, you. I know, right? Okay. Yeah. So guess, ahead, <laughs> guess what? You have a brain just like them. Absolutely. Okay. And it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine that critical thinking, you know, <laughs> this patient's being able to do critical thinking, you know, how dare you? Um, uh, so, so I, I think opening with a question with your pediatrician and just saying, um, you know, it, it's it's a really, really tough road because a lot of pediatricians are incentivized by their HMOs and even incentivized by pharmaceutical companies that if they have a high enough vaccination rate, then they will get a yearly bonus. And that yearly bonus, I've heard as high as $100,000 per pediatrician, per practitioner. And so, so many of them are incentivized financially. And so, you know, when, when I, I've recommended that parents, when they do have a belligerent pediatrician, ask them, I said, how much money do you get when I get vaccinated? How much money do you, do you receive? Um, do you think that's a good thing? Um, do you think that that conflicts you? You know, what would happen to your practice if you did not get that money? Um, so, and, and I have actually asked uh, and recommended parents bring in the book um, because the book, you, you know, uh, is, it's, it's cited, you know, there are many, many citations that are many, many endnotes. you know, there are over 100 different studies that we featured in this and to use that as a talking point, um, you know, and we really do not want practitioners who fire their patients because they're not fully vaccinated. To me, you know, that smacks of conflict of interest in that, you know, there's there's so many pharmaceutical entanglements and, and you know, the pediatrician should be working for you. Um, you know, be. if I were to do it again, I would have asked questions about the vaccines and I would have not brought my child back regarding, you know, a well-child visit until those answers were Given, I think that those practitioners deserve, are, are you know, are their their patients deserve good medical answers from those people who are supposed to be experts. And unfortunately, they're not experts. You know, I have friends in the medical profession. You know, the education on vaccines in medical school is woefully inadequate. We're even reaching out to medical practitioners so we can provide education from CHD for those individuals in medical school so they can wake up. Um, and so I think asking questions, it's, it may sound self-serving to say, you know, bring the book, but I want as many people to read this book as possible. I think that it's a really easy read. Yes. Um, you, you know, you can, you can flip through pages and you can get 
a really, really solid education, and it gives you the basis to dig further um, as well. But and and don't be afraid to vote with your feet. If you have a practitioner that is being belligerent and and gaslighting you because uh, you're making medical decisions for yourself and you're making medical decisions based on your own knowledge, your own critical thinking, and your own intuition, it's really time to fire a practitioner. Yeah. Right. And I think okay, one it's... thing that we've we've learned or we've woken up to is, is we've all been indoctrinated to think that a well visit is necessary. Um, <laughs> what we've come to learn is that a well visit is really a vaccine visit. And as a parent, if your child is well, then do you really need to see a doctor? Mm -mm. I think it's yeah. a really good critical question. I, you know, these are the things that we need to step back and say, you know, let's not be parents on autopilot. Right. Yeah. Let's be critical thinkers. I love that, Amy. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is so important. And I want to point out Dr. Green Mom. I know she was at the CHD conference with all of us, um, but she's the one that is the the doctor. Um, you can find her at Dr. Dr. Green Mom on Instagram, where we're no longer allowed. By the way, I just want to add, our account can't be found, accessed, anything. Okay. So we we we, we can't to appeal, but they're making it real hard. We go. I, I keep trying to appeal. There's no account for me to access to appeal through. It's wild, y'all. We are we are literally gone. And I for but them. that's okay because I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know why this happened, but I promise you, God will use it for our good and for it's not stopping us. We're not shutting up. We're not shutting up. And like Kristen said, maybe we write a book or do something because I, pr I promise you we will not stop talking about this. Yeah, exactly. But I want to point y'all to her if you want to find a physician that is allows you to be the parent, allows you to make the informed choices for your child. She has a list. You can reach out to her. It's a pinned post on her Instagram. And it was a, a list first started by Dr. Bob Sears. Um, oh, wonderful. But she has expanded on it. And we had a listener, shout out to Mary, who reached out to me this week. And she said, I found my pediatrician through Dr. Green Mom. Thank awesome. you guys. And she's able to navigate her health journey with her child in a way that's comfortable for her. And that's what we're here for. That's Absolutely. what we want everyone to know. You Again, know? parents are the best experts. Yeah. Parents are hands down the best experts. And if you're going against your intuition, you know, if you feel like you're being led down a path and you, and you have that niggly voice, that's like, no, 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 no. Listen to that. Listen, listen, listen to mm -hmm. it. You know, and I don't give out medical advice. I, you know, I'm a PhD, not an MD. And so, you know, I want to inspire conversations with practitioners and even uncomfortable conversations with practitioners, um, you know, realizing that uh, and, and when you and when you know, as a parent, that you're not going to violate that inner voice, then it makes it easier to have those uncomfortable conversations. That's right. And it comes from a place of just that conviction, which is what we say. That's why we started our podcast. It was conviction. It was like an absolute, like, so we, good. Can't, we can't stay quiet about this, you know, anymore. So I have to ask you, whatever happened to Dr. William Thompson, the whistleblower <laughs> at the CDC? Well, um, he was not very happy with me regarding vaxxed and and you know it was interesting because i i didn't i wasn't a producer in vaxxed i was just in vaxxed i was um and and so um so we're no longer in contact um but 
I do know, you know, that he's still tucked in the CDC. We hear rumblings, oh, he's going to retire from the CDC and he's going to write an expose. And, you know, I'm not holding my breath. I am not holding my breath. You you know, there isn't um, a congressional representative with the authority to subpoena him. And so, you know, it's sort of like, well, that ship has sailed. Uh, And, you know, and um, so, you know, there's he he just kind of sits very comfortably at the CDC. With taxpayer um, dollars paying his salary. Right. I mean, just and so, you know, so I'm grateful for what happened. I'm grateful yeah. for, um, you, you know, but uh, I don't think his job is done by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know, um, I even remember his attorney telling me, well, he's done his job for society when, you know, he uh, issued a press release uh, back in August of 2014. I'm like, not even close. I'm yeah. sorry, not even close. So, you know, I hate to be that critical of, of an individual. We did share a very, very close space for about 10 months and then all of a sudden vanished, ghosted nothing. And so, you know, I hope and pray, you know, I, I think I pray for Bill Thompson every day. Yeah. Um, but I hope and pray that uh, he isn't done. Yeah. Right. I, I'm saying because, you know, just listening to some of the recordings, which you didn't even want to record him. I, I want people to know that. Like that was you really he and I admire the way he even did this. He said, I don't want to give you the information that's illegal, but I can right. tell you how to go get it. And he used those told you about the FOIA requests and how you could go. And and the reason he did that, he said, was because he felt guilty. He was he knew the science and was hearing from vaccine injured families. And he's like, I can't in good conscience do this. So what he was trying to do was open the door to you to go get this legally, which would really absolve him of guilt. Because really all he's doing is saying, here's how you go find it. And you were finding it, you know, and he was confirming, yes, yes, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing. So you got to give him credit for what he did do. It's a shame that we live in this world. And I don't know, because let's be honest, I imagine he's been threatened to the edge of his life about everything. these whistleblowers, guys, when people come out and they tell the truth, it just doesn't seem to end well for most people. And it discourages no. everyone from being one. You exactly. Know? Exactly. And- it does not end well for, you know, the vast majority of whistleblowers. I think that's that's a really, really good point, Holly. You know, you know, you have to you do have to look at that. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I don't see is what happened behind the scenes right. with Dr. Thompson and the CDC. I do know that they gave him a whopping uh, $25,000 retention bonus not to quit the CDC uh, after the whistleblower story came out. And so, you know, it's just, it, there's a lot of fear and manipulation that goes on in that agency. And, and for, you know, we've heard from in, other individuals who have been in and out of the agency saying that, you know, there's, there's just a, a real, it's, it's a real distinct culture of uh, compliance. Mm. Yeah. And I have a feeling there's an NDA agreements up in there. I, bet he, I mean, I'm hoping that he's just staying and then he'll let it all out. That's what I'm going to pray for. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many legal avenues. I mean, there's non-disclosure, like you said, non-disclosure agreements. There's, you know, gag orders, things like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I, you know, my hope is that he, when he does retire, he's able to, you know, share very, very freely what happened, you know, and, and I will be on the edge of my seat waiting for that 
that story to be told. And he can't be the only one, right? I mean, right. like, he, oh, no. there, there, there's got to be, you know, listen, the head of the CDC was our health and human services secretary here in North uh -huh. Carolina. And when I tell you she's not even close to the sharpest tool in the shed, that is me being nice. <laughs> and now she's the head of the CDC. When we were under her under COVID, it was a, she was a laughing stock. And now, so... How do you think it works? Just just because you've dealt with the CDC more than we have, how does it work that they choose who's running the show there? And then also, isn't there a lot of crisscross app like crisscross applesauce between the CDC and then Pfizer, Merck? Uh, don't you have people coming in and out of both that the companies and the agency? Absolutely. There's a real revolving door between federal agencies, you know, especially within the Department of Health and Human Services as a whole, you know, which the CDC is a part of, um, you know, there there is an incestuous relationship with Pfizer. You know, mm -hmm. Scott Gottlieb is now, you know, uh, who was the head of uh, what HHS and now he's he, now he's a part of Pfizer. Uh, Julie Gerberding. Uh, director of the CDC from 2001 to 2008 goes to Merck in 2009 with, you know, a sizable, I think it was over $2 million signing bonus sure. uh, when she went to Merck. And while she was at CDC, she approved, um, she not only quelled the MMR uh, debacle regarding autism, and she, she had a hand in silencing Thompson directly in that because he was going to blow the whistle back in 2004. Um, uh, but she also approved, she also was able to shepherd the approval of the very dubious HPV vaccine, you know, in 2006 and 2007 and got that added to the CDC schedule. And oh. so Merck paid her handsomely for what she did at CDC with that position as now president of the vaccine division at Merck. Um, and so, you know, there's so many, so many, and I could go on and on and on, Holly, about the conflicts of interest in the advisory committee for immunization practices. You know, there are members of that advisory committee that have voted themselves rich by voting a vaccine on the infant mm -hmm. child schedule. And so, you know, it's, it's so, such, such a, a mess. The administrative state is so captured by big pharma uh, and, and it, to me, you know, it, I, the, the thing that I'm thankful for is, is within the pandemic, a lot of that really was exposed. Yeah. Yes. It was the, the only, it was the silver lining for sure of the pandemic is that now so many of our listeners started listening to us because of the COVID vaccine and now have gotten eyes open to food, water, uh, you know, Monsanto, uh, vaccines, whatever. I mean, we've, we've tried to cover. Oh, oh, 5G. I mean, yep. right. pretty much what we relearned about at the Children's Health Defense Conference in Savannah. Yes. You know, it was like, here's all the people we've been interviewing, you know, because we were curious. This is it. Right. I love the line from Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. I mean, we were curious. We're like, well, what about this? You know, they say this is safe. Is it really? You know, and right. it was changing down those rapid trail trails that We've been able to talk to actual experts and people like you who have been on the front line of really digging through and trying to find evidence. And so the last question I would ask you is, you know, if someone were to go and Google you today, if you go to Wikipedia, you know, that, trusted, that trusted Wikipedia that is like so, you know, so, so uh, what is the word I'm trying to use? Like fair and unbiased. No, it's not. Right. It is, yeah. It's a joke. No. 
Hmm. Uh, what was the thing? I, I, I don't even know if I wrote it down. Screenshot to us, Holly. But this, is, this is where when I we just looked at it last week. <laughs> I did. did. I just looked at it last week. I was. I was doing a, a, a comparison with my Wikipedia page and Steve Kirsch's Wikipedia page. And, 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 and it takes them two sentences to get to, you know, vaccines and autism on my Wikipedia page. It takes them three, sec three sentences to get to, you know, the controversy around the COVID-19 vaccine. And so, you know, talk about uh, being um, uh, denigrated uh, and, and marginalized, you know, very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, I, I mentioned that because if anyone goes to Google you, they are, man, they are really trying to discredit your research, you know, and I know you've had some things that, what was one thing that was redacted or retracted? Were, yeah. yeah. The paper, the, t the paper that I wrote using Thompson's data yeah, was retracted in uh, 2014, and and that was really demoralizing. I mean, I was such a good kid growing up. I never, you know, made waves or anything. Never went in detention. And all of a sudden, my paper is retracted, yeah. and and my university stood by me. I'm so thankful that exactly. you know there wasn't a big to do and a big investigation. I mean, you know, I have for you know, I I have had individuals on campus try to get me fired. Uh, but the university administration has been, you know, very, very supportive, not necessarily of my position, but of my ability to ask questions. Isn't that what academ academia was supposed to be about? Is Correct. diversity of thought and ideas and opinions and really being able to debate, debate to debate. Right. Oh, yeah. And now it is about completely silencing opposing voices. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's dogma. It's, it's 100% dogma. And so I'm so thankful for the institution where, you know, I just recently retired from my university uh, so I could work full time at CHD. But um, uh, so, no, no, I was very, very fortunate. You look at, you know, people like Mark Skidmore, who, you know, was investigated by his university and, and they did, you know, fortunately find that he had, you know, he had done everything correctly and he was exonerated by his university. but others that have not fared so well and have been under disciplinary action are being terminated, you know, by their institutions uh, or, you know, even worse, like Dr. Paul Thomas, uh, who lost his license, uh, you know, had his license suspended and then, you know, ultimately retired and others that have been come under persecution from the medical boards, Bob Sears, Meryl Nass, Sherry Tenpenny, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for, you know, uh, the so protection cool. that I've had. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to I want to close with this just because, you know, one of the things that's been fun to watch when we first started interviewing Dr. McCullough, he was anti covid vaccine, but he was still pro flu shot. That's how early back we started talking to Dr. McCullough. And man, we saw him just woo, wake up to everything. But he and, and Dr. Corey are two of my favorites because these were, they're such smart men. Oh, but yeah. You can tell they're not owned. They're not owned by anything because they think for themselves. And mm -hmm. I love what Dr. Pierre Corey wrote. Um, and by the way, we'll recommend his book, The War on Ivermectin. We, we've got an interview with him. Everybody so should see and read his book. But at the beginning of your book, what are the, the first person that writes uh, about your book says, millions of people, myself included, initially believed the COVID-19 vaccine disaster to be a one-off. 
the result of a novel, rapidly evolving virus combined with a rush therapeutic packaged in an experimental delivery system. Today, I laugh at such naivete. In Vax Unvax, Kennedy and Hooker shine a blinding light on the appalling lack of research and blatant propaganda behind the entire inflated and ever-expanding childhood vaccine schedule. The author's painstaking investigation and rigorous analyses are rivaled only by their bravery in exposing the depth and breadth of the lies we've been told. As a physician who never dreamed of questioning the safety and efficacy claims of routine immunizations, and who believed he was protecting his patients and his own children by endorsing them, I am humbled and enraged. I have to say, we feel the exact same way. We're humbled, humbled and enraged, and we are fighting mamas now. We're going to fight for our kids, our grandkids, but your kids, everybody's kids, and for you, because yeah. they want adults now to get all the vaccines, right, doctor? They want Absolutely. to make sure your, your shingles, boy, you better get that shingles and flu vaccine, right? It's it's the new market plan. You know, they're going after adult adult vaccinations and pregnant women. Yep. So get ready and be in, be educated, informed, and we have the resources on our Substack. Just think, the podcast Substack is where we will be communicating his book. Yeah, in there too, for sure. We'll be here so that you can access what Dr. Gerson and Children's Health Defense. We have to give them a shout out yes. because they so have much. been one of the agencies and that has kept us informed and and let us know. The actual science. I mean, that's what I appreciate appreciate about the high wire and children's self defense is they're presenting evidence. It's not telling you what to think. It's saying, look at this. And I think mm -hmm. that's that is so, so, so important. Dr. Hooker, thank you for all you've done. You've been a part of 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 my journey and helping me see the light. And I just appreciate you so much. We thank you for your time and what you're doing to help all of us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to meet you all and, and to be on your podcast. You guys are just a force of nature. And, you know, you, you, you're not stopped by being deplatformed by Instagram or whatever. You know, I'm so, you're, you're so brave and, and, and I just keep going and doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're in good company. And when we get to be in good company with people like you, I'm telling you, it's good for our souls. That's one thing yeah. I will tell everybody is sometimes you just need to be around your people who get it and who understand. And you remember you're not alone because we're not. We're only we're only going to grow in numbers. I believe that. Yes. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Kerr. All right, everybody. We'll see you Thank next you. time. Thank you. Bye, Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,